Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the show, I'm excited to announce two things. First is that my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, is now live on Amazon. So go get it. The second thing is we have a new sponsor, Qualified.com. I'm going to tell you about them in the next couple seconds here and also how you can get a free copy of my book thanks to them. So who are these people? Well, Qualified is the number one live chat and chatbot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Sales reps can have real-time personalized conversations with who? Your hottest website visitors. So I want you to know, I don't just partner with anyone. I genuinely love these guys and the platform, we use it at my company. Our sales team loves it. We've closed a lot of deals based on it. Um, had a lot of great conversations with prospects too. So, you know, a lot of marketing these days is what? Hurry up and wait, right? Fill out this form. And then if we pass you over to sales, maybe you'll swap six emails with them to find a good time to talk. But what if a prospect is doing research right now and they would chat now? Why not give them the opportunity? So the best part is your company actually decides what leads are worth a live chat. There's a lot of noise out there. You don't want to talk to everyone. So Qualified actually connects to Salesforce and Pardot, and it's able to pull in lead and contact information. So you can specifically know if you're talking to a VIP, a VP, a decision maker. It's really kind of like magic. Now, if you don't know who someone is, well, what happens then, Casey? Well, that's when the bots come in handy. Chatbots can then ask you know, questions to further qualify a lead. Find out if maybe this is someone you do want to talk to. And they can book meetings while your sales team is out. And they can wake up the next morning with a bunch of meetings on their calendar. Now, here's the promo. If you are a company that wants to give your sales team this ability, right, to be able to talk to decision makers right when they're on your website, do this. Go to qualify.com and start a chat, right? They use their own tool, of course. Start a chat. Tell them that Casey sent you. If you have Salesforce Pardot, when you schedule and then do a demo, they will send you a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed. Not bad, right? Well, it's only while supplies last. So hop on this thing today. And that's it for sponsors. Let's get to the show. All right. Here it is. Well, you've all been waiting for another episode of the show. And I'm excited because we're going to introduce a really cool guest. He is stoked. He is pumped. He's a B2B marketing expert. It's all about the communications. It's all about getting your message across. He's a brand strategist. He loves analytics. We're going to talk all about how those two things can combine. The director of marketing communications at Cifron, Rob Northrup. How are you, sir? Good. How are you doing, Casey? Good. Good. So, hey, this is our marketing leadership series. We're, we're here to talk strategy, understand, pick your brain, and and get some takeaways. So I want to pass you the hammer. Here it is. It's virtual because the real one's back at the office. This is Thor's hammer. So take this hammer. Here you go. And, uh, and smash for me some kind of myth, bogus strategy, misconception that just drives you crazy. Yeah. The, the one that, that gets me uh, is, is the idea that we have to be everywhere and do everything. Right. <laughs> uh, something we, we used to refer to as spray and pray, right? 
you send out a million of whatever it is and uh and just hope that some of that works right um you know years ago um that would be um sending out thousands of postcards or mailers or catalogs you know we, we used to create catalogs for our products and send out literally tens of thousands of catalogs right um and and you know there there were some assumptions you can make and and activity increases but you know just just the idea that you know you had to send all this stuff out and and then when things started to transition more to digital the you know i think there was a hope that oh some of that would go away uh instead i think it sort of increased because uh email was a lot cheaper than mailing a catalog or yeah. postcard, right they're they're free uh <laughs> Right. When, you know, when that happens, you know, okay, well, now we can send all kinds of email blasts to tens of thousands of, of people. Right. Um, and, and then, you know, social media. Well, we've got all these platforms. We can post social media posts endlessly. Um, and just, you know, again, spray and pray, but now it's, it's the digital version. Right. And, you know, you make that transition, at least when the catalog costs money, you had to think about it. Okay. Well, we're going to yeah. spend a lot of money here, guys and gals. Let's make this the best damn catalog this side of the Mississippi. But when you go to the free email or the free social, a tweet is free. An email costs you zero. So it's like, wow, I guess we could just send these things out. Who cares? Let me just send out the next campaign this week. And who cares if the quality is good? Exactly. Dang. And especially if you get into, you know, having, you know, in our case, we have literally thousands of products. So if you think about the amount of content you got to create for to cover all the different product lines or customer segments and all, you know, it, 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 it's very mind numbing to think of the sheer volume of stuff you got to create. So of course, when you're doing it at that scale and that many different things, you know, you're, you're going to suffer some quality if you're, you're just constantly doing that spray and pray method of, you know, just posting as much stuff as you can everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you can start out by saying, you know, be everything, do everything, you know, be everyone and do everything. And it's like, okay, yeah, just go do the impossible. Sales, yeah. I need you to do 30 phone calls and, you know, close yeah. half of them. And, you know, IT, I want you to do this and so and so and so and so. Marketing, I actually want you to do everything. <laughs> so everyone else has like a, has like an encapsulated yeah. job with a sort of functionality marketing it's like we're not really sure what you do so i need you to exactly. do 10 times as much as everyone else um just so we're sure that i think we're getting some work out of you it's crazy and, and you and you get the other people that think they sort of know what marketing should be because they oh, see right. other stuff on you know i saw our competitors on social media posting all this stuff so you should be posting all this stuff it's like mm. <laughs> i right. don't know if that's 100 percent true it just because the competitors did it. We had, I mean, we had this conversation the other day. We we're looking at some copy from some competitors for a particular client, and it was like, okay, they say it this way, and a lot of them say it this way. Is that because they've all listened to the customer and they're they they're on the right track, or are they all just listening to each other and sort of we're all in this delusional bubble? But really, the customer <laughs> wants something totally different. I don't know, but I tend to like want to know what the customer says more than anything. Exactly. Huh. So how do you, how do you, I see how we got into this, be everything, do everyone, do everyone. I don't know about that. 
probably do everything. That's a different, that's that's a different marketing twist. That's a different kind of marketing right there, people. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, the show's over. Show's over, people. Get out of here, bro. We're all done. Like, we can't do any more after that. <laughs> uh, so, so let me, uh, let me be careful when I read this. Be everything, do everything <laughs> kind of marketing. Spray and pray. Um, so I know how we got into this mess. How do we get out of it? Well, I think there's a, a few different things you have to consider. Yeah. Uh, you know, number one is what what are your company's you know goals? What are the actual objectives that you're trying to tie anything that you're doing to? You know, um, my, my frustration is the idea of having to do something without understanding what am I tying it to? What am I what? Anything I do should have an outcome that is driving towards a specific goal, specific company target you know that's a, that could be a revenue goal that could be um you know a customer uh, increasing customer new customer goal could be in, increasing sales with uh, existing customers so you know what am i aiming at um and then what what are our strategic products that, or you know product segments that we're wanting to focus on too? yeah so you know in our business we have you know, a variety of revenue goals, um, new customer growth, existing customer growth, um, strategic mm. products, core products, you know, so it's really understanding, you know, what, what matters at the top level. I like that. You know? I, I like the way you phrase those too, because sometimes I, I get wrapped around the axle, like I need to make them all smart goals, but just saying like the focus, the new customer growth, the existing customer growth, um, driving, um, business from partners, partner yep. growth, you know, so I, I like that you, you've got some, some key target areas and, you know, goals for the year, and then you can have other metrics underneath them and you can have initiatives under that. That's cool. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you think about what, what is it going to take to break into a new market or a new customer right. versus build on an existing customer, or what is it going to take to launch a new product versus an iteration of the product? Right. You know, those, those are very different scenarios that you've got to build, content that you've got to build, um, research you've got to do, you know. So I, I, I think so it's, true. it's important to understand those top-level goals so that when you get to the things you have to do in marketing, you know, you, you understand the content you have to develop, who it is you're talking to, and, and, and what, you know, things you have to implement and how to measure those, right? Yeah. So, so if, if I'm going to launch a, a, a campaign around a new product, you know, what am I trying to get? You know, what is my handoff to sales? What, you yeah. know, it's and, and, and what does sales need, you know? So it's, it's, it's sort of that communication, you know, whatever, whatever my goals are, it's marketing has to tie to whatever sales goals are. Because if I'm handing off a bunch of leads that, aren't the ones that sales is looking for. Well, that doesn't do any good either. I've wasted my time. Align the goals. Yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. Putting the goals first, aligning them to sales. I like that. You know, I was just the other day I was talking about, you know, we do a lot of webinars at Trash and, and we just, I, me personally, I've been doing so many webinars. It was like, okay, webinars. But then I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. 
what are the goals of these webinars anyways? Of course it's to teach people, but what else? Like, how does it align to our company goals, to our marketing goals, to our sales goals? We had to really, you know, think about it. And then it, what the magic was, as soon as we changed our thinking and we, we started looking at the goals, and a whole bunch of stuff comes out of it. Like, oh, okay, maybe we should emphasize the call to action, you know, a little bit better instead of just being like, oh, yeah, hey, contact us or whatever or do this next step. It's like, no, the next step is the thing. Like, this whole, <laughs> the whole reason you're joining this webinar is so you will do this next step. Um, and yeah. it doesn't mean you want to sacrifice the quality. We're not spraying and praying, but we also need to have a, a goal in mind so that we're, we're doing something, we're moving forward. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you want to you want to know what you're aiming for. Nobody yeah. likes to do what they feel at at the end of the day is pointless work. Yeah, you know, you know, if I, I if if my team is working on something, or if I ask them to do something, um, ideally, I've I've given them like the broader picture of why are we doing any of what we're doing? Because you know, some things can seem like busy work, and yeah. uh, you know, and, and there's some things that are. You know, there's there's natural uh, pieces that get, you know, sent down from the C-suite to say, hey, we want you to do this. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, I, I don't get that, but okay, that's what we have to do. And there's some things that are, you know, some of that um, ongoing brand building awareness uh, that you just sort of maintain uh, and keep up with. But at the end of the day, I think you want to focus your energies on the things that are really going to pay off. Yeah. Or, or, or at least that you can measure and see, okay, that, that works, that doesn't work. This would have worked better if I would have done this or, yeah. you know, things like that. Right. Huh. Good stuff. How do you go about measuring it? What's your, what's your take on measurement? Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of measurement. Um, yeah. it, you know, the, it's, it's all sort of wrapped up in how good are your systems to measure? Um, you know, we have, we have CRM, we have marketing automation. Um, you know, I, I think there's still that um, chasing the unicorn of uh, sales and marketing alignment kind of thing. Tell me um, about that. What's the unicorn? Well, <laughs> it's just it's hard to find. Like it just doesn't um, exist? Or <laughs> yeah, well, I, well. You don't believe it, in it, unicorns, Rob? <laughs> oh, I, I do believe in them. I just, I think they're very hard to find. Yes. Like um, <laughs> No, but I think it's it's getting if if your organization has doesn't have that culture where where the two goals are are derived at the same time, mm -hmm. like we're going to do these things from a sales standpoint, and these are the way we're going to support them on a marketing standpoint. You know, sales has their initiative, and it's revenue, 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 um, and hopefully they have a CRM system, and hopefully they're utilizing that CRM system. Uh, one hundred percent, at least, you know, ninety percent. Right. Um, I've had in the past where you know the, the sales team sort of uses CRM, and if they're not sort of mandated or or forced to use it, then you know it's sort of garbage in, garbage out on the right. CRM side. They they may or may not follow up on. Uh, or we've had you know historically where you have. Um, a lot of our businesses are with our existing customers. So I might pass a new lead on an existing customer. Mm -hmm. um, but instead of converting that lead and working from the lead, they'll just go back to the original customer record ah. and, and the campaign, you know, that the whole right. attribution stuff. And when you try and explain attribution to the sales team, 
you know, they're like, oh, what are you trying to take credit for my fail? It's like, no, like just trying to justify what we're doing. Right. Um, and, and there's many reasons for why, um, you know, sales reps don't necessarily dive into CRM like they should, you know, um, some of it, you know, maybe at, at, at the, um, at the C-suite level where, you know, maybe the VP of sales just, uh, doesn't value it, uh, doesn't enforce it. Um, there's often a notion, well, you know, to do enter all the stuff into CRM takes too much time. Sure. You know, I should be out there selling, not entering things into a CRM. Um, and there's a certain amount of, um, I'll call it IP protection, intellectual property protection. So what a sales rep knows about a customer is their intellectual property. They're sort of safeguard. Oh, geez, right? really? Wow. And so if they, if they put all the information in the CRM of everything that there is to know about the customers, they, I'm not saying that's 100% across that's the board funny. either. You know, that's funny. Uh, but but there's, there's a certain amount of, of that, I think, that, that exists out in, in the world sure. of sales. Uh, where it's like, okay, I'm going to put in the things I need to put in, but I'm not going to, you know, give away everything I know about this customer because, I, you know, that's my relationship and that's sort of my, uh, my intellectual property, if you will. Wow. My value is, is wow. my relationship to the customer. That's some, they, they do some crazy things over there on the sales side. Uh, that's some, <laughs> that's some individual thinking right there. Um, I would be thinking, let me get this in the CRM because I'm going to forget it <laughs> as soon as I get on my next phone call. Um, yeah. you, know, you mentioned the attribution. I was looking at a, in a Salesforce account the other day and uh, we were looking at the opportunity and they all had lead sources. That was convenient. The problem was the lead source from the lead wasn't carrying over to the lead source and the opportunity. So technically all the data people had been looking at on the opportunity side, it was right. correct for a few things whenever sales had made it so but at the same time all the marketing data didn't carry over so we're looking at two different types of things where one side might say dreamforce and the other side says like sales sourced it's like okay yeah <laughs> maybe you yeah, did source this but it was actually at an event so we need to modify that source there yeah and that would be another reason why you know your sales team wouldn't be using crm very much is that you know if you have a platform that's uh, either not a good platform or isn't configured properly or is just yeah. a pain to use, you know, then, you know, they don't want to use it either. And from the marketing side, I mean, if, if, if I'm passing things over and they're getting jumbled over there as well, you know, that's, you know, those technical issues can definitely be, you know, probably one of the biggest drawbacks to using any of those uh, marketing automation platforms sure. or CRM. Yeah, especially when it comes to sales, like usability is so key, right? I think we spend a lot of time, and I know there's a lot of partners out there that are all about the tech. It's like, okay, cool, but you've got gooey human creatures using this tech. So it can be the sharpest stuff on the block, but if it looks terrible or looks overwhelming, your gooey little humans are not going to use it. And that's the whole point. So, yeah. you know, it's almost like less on the tech side, more on the human side, just usability. And are they going to actually enter data? If you, if you can only ask for one thing, what would you ask for? Okay, you get two things now. What would you ask for? As opposed to fill out all 12 things, and they're just going to go use their notepad at that point. Right. It's crazy. Yep. Well, uh, hey, you, know, you mentioned on the prep call, there's this phenomenon going on, this TV show you had seen. I need you to catch me up on, on speed on this because I haven't seen it because I got rid of Netflix when they got rid of 
Frazier. Oh, there we go. There's the background. There's the background. Yeah, for, for, for those only listening to the podcast, you're missing the glory, the glory that is Joe Exotic and his tiger as my <laughs> Zoom background. You gotta uh, leave it on for the rest of the show. No, no, I'm not leaving. Bring that it on. back. Oh, okay. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a copyright infringement that we'll run into somewhere along the line. Nah, maybe. Um, Never. You know what? That'll be. A, that's how you know you've made it. When you get a, <laughs> someone, put that thing back up there. I want. I'll frame that thing. It'll be like, well, I got a cease and desist from who? Who's it? Netflix. I got a cease and desist from Netflix. How about yeah, that? whoever. Uh, okay, so no, I, I got rid of Netflix. I don't know this Tiger King thing, but I hear about it. I hear it's the thing what is it what is going on explain this oh to me. man that it is a it's like watching i, I explain it's like watching a a uh, driving past a gruesome car accident <sighs> um and you you can't you know you shouldn't be looking and it's really it's really just vile and disgusting but you can't look away and you right. slow down you slow down you stop and you just keep looking at something that right. you just can't believe like you're a white sheet over someone or something yeah like, yeah, like oh like, god what am i i keep driving yeah. yeah i'm like i can't believe what i'm seeing uh it, it's sort of that premise um i i find it amazing um you know a what people will watch yes. um uh, but or B, listen I to you like this fact, podcast i know well let's hope uh, uh or just the fact that you know this you know, Joe Exotic, his little zoo, and all that. it's like this. This was a, a functioning zoo, and when you see the craziness that that went on around it, I mean, um, I don't know. It's, it's like it's, it's amazing to think of what people will look past just to have an experience, right. right? Just to go and hold a tiger cub or or you know whatever it is. You know, they'll they'll sit through this guy with a mullet and a pink sequin button-down shirt singing country songs uh, <laughs> to the audience just so they can go you know, look at a tiger or whatever it is. So can you, can you kind of like back up? Because like I don't even know the <laughs> premise of the show other than this guy uh, is crazy and apparently so, it's a functioning scene. Yeah, the premise is this crazy guy, uh, okay. Joe Exotic. Um, Joe Exotic is his name. Okay. Joe Exotic um, in Oklahoma. Uh, is, Naturally, is, yeah, a, a gay polygamist zoo owner slash wannabe country singer actually ran for president in 2016. Oh, ran for governor of Oklahoma. Like, I don't. So it's one of these really guys is, that uh, does crazy. Really, thing. just super narcissist kind of guy. Um, walks around in a cowboy hat and sequin button shirt, satiny shirts and and I don't know, it's just it's just bizarre. And, and it's not and it's not just him. It's the entire uh cavalcade of other people that are involved and the whole the whole premise of the show is, you know, him and his little I'll call it a zoo, um his little traveling circus of, of a zoo. Um, and and the the battle between him and this lady in Florida who owns a uh, a sanctuary a tiger sanctuary um, but she still charges people to come in and look at tigers mm. um, so it's really more like a zoo but not um, 
and her and Peter trying to shut him and his zoo down and him trying to get back at her and just that whole struggle back and forth. Okay. So it's like real housewives of the lion kingdom. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, and it's like, it's that, and it's just, you know, is it, is it real? Is it true? Yeah. Is it like, yeah. All true. So it's like documentary, like oh, this stuff's really happening. Yeah, it's, it's, it's straight up documentary. Oh, and it, it, and then it brings in, I mean, they interview, <laughs> they have the, they interview like these, these workers who work at the zoo and they talk about how awful Joe is, how mean he is, how low, how much they don't get paid. They work from seven in the morning till 10 at night, Jeez. you know, just how terrible it is. And they're like, well, how long have you worked here? Oh, about 10 years. <laughs> they're like, well, why? Oh, because I get to work with tigers. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so it's just crazy to think of things that people will endure. Right. You know, just for, for, just for the right experience. And, you know, it, you hate to think, well, gee, how can I translate that to marketing terms? Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, you got you got to figure out in, in the marketing world what differentiates you from anybody else. You know, if we go yes. back to the whole spray and pray kind of mentality, if you're sending out thousands of email blasts and you know five to ten social media posts a week, are you turning into noise at that point? Right. Versus putting out content that is, I'm not going to say uh, Tiger King worthy. <laughs> uh, but but content got, at least high standards for that, right? To say it's <laughs> yeah, worthy. Yeah, but but put up content, you know, that, that sets you apart, and that that makes people want to engage, right? And and we our company sells uh, displays and pictures to retail, so we work with retail, um, and you know the the top retailers in the world, and and you know they're all talking about you know the, the ever-changing retail landscape you know with online shopping right so what is you know well how's that changed uh, a brick and mortar store right? right it's all about experience the experience of shopping yeah you know of coming in and how does that change for each retailer so that's changing the whole you know landscape of retail and yeah. um you know the way people buy and, and, and interact with stores you know so the, the idea of, of the experience mm. is, is really, I mean, it's critical for our customers in retail, uh, obviously critical for Joe Exotic and, and his, his zoo, although he's in prison now. So that's a whole different. Oh, he's in prison now? Yeah, he's now, in prison now. is that a spoiler? Now. Should I have seen the show to know this? No, nah, no, you, you, you pretty much see, you see it coming. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. Uh, in fact, some of the interview pieces, they're, they're talking to him from prison. Oh, jeez. Um, but, uh, Does he have an accent too? Is it like Joe or John? Oh, oh yeah. Ha- yeah. Howdy. I don't even know. I don't know what an Oklahoma. Yeah. Is. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's full full Oklahoma. My name yeah. is Joe. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but but yeah. just that the idea of, of you know as a marker you in, instead of creating tons of content create the right content that sets you apart that engages your customer and 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 draws them into whatever you're you're promoting to whatever you're putting out there. If you're going to put a campaign together, put it in a way that draws them in, leads them through, offer some value, you know, through various steps of that process. You know, don't, don't spray and pray and just put a bunch of things out there, put the right things out there and put it out there maybe in a way that you can get more information over time. Um, 
or, or build through that relationship. Again, and, and it depends, who's your customer? Is it somebody you already know? So you just need to move them down an education point on a product, or is it a, a new person that you gotta uh, educate them about you and your value proposition as a whole? So right. you know, what, what are you putting out there as a, as a marketer? I love this. It, you know, your, your next book here is Tiger King Marketing by Rob Norton. <laughs> Um, I'm sure somebody's already got that going right now. <laughs> I'm sure we'll name the episode after you as well. Uh, this is perfect. There you go. <laughs> um, you are the Tiger King of marketing, sir. So how do you make this content stand out like that? And how do you do it in a way that doesn't get you in jail or, and also doesn't come across like a con, you know, but at the same time is interesting, does get people's, they want to sit up, pay attention. Yeah. Uh, the, the number one thing for us is, is knowing your customers. You know, who are you talking to, right? Am, am I talking to, you know, um, a decision maker um, or am I just talking to a procurement person? Um, you know, what, what is the particular pain point for that person? And, and not that, you know, a, a low-level purchasing person um, isn't worth marketing to, but it's a different message. You know, your, your message to them is, you know, the ideas of, of bringing value and finding what their objectives are too and their actual position. Like what, what is, what is your customer trying to achieve personally and from a business standpoint, you know, what are the problems that they actually have and then come in and say, look, I understand your problem. Here's what I understand them to be. And here's the ways that we solve them both for your business and for you. You know, because at the end of the day, you want you want to help your customer be a rock star. Mm. Right. Speaking of which, did I did I see something on Twitter about you being some sort of marketing superstar? Oh yeah, what was that? I have uh, many leather bound (laughs) books in my house. Smells of rich mahogany. (laughs) uh, Salesforce. There's this new program called Marketing Champions. Oh, that's what. That's out now. So I'm one of one of the the several marketing champions out there and it's a pretty, it's a pretty nice. cool group. So uh, not so much me being on it, but all the other people that are on it, it's pretty, pretty neat to be all those names up there. It's kind of, it's also an indicator of who's, who's doing a good job of tweeting and being social, you know, really gotcha. you get like a special cake to wear with that. Uh, I should demand one, honestly. Um, I think so. Yeah. You know, a la Tiger King fashion. I should require, <laughs> require a cape if they want to use my name and likeness. Um, exactly. <laughs> Totally. Um, I love that you went to like number one is knowing your customer because I, I think that's the thing. Like, uh, you know, you, we could trick people with some Tiger King stuff with a cape. Um, we'll get their att- we'll get their attention. Like, you can get that. You can spam someone. You'll get their attention. But the challenge is usually the message is all wrong. Like, we don't actually know who they are, and so they just insta delete it. So all that work and money you spent didn't actually matter. That ad you put on Facebook didn't matter and you know for the longest time on facebook i was like come on it's 2020 whatever like whatever year i was doing this first thought where it was like why are the ads terrible for me on facebook so i went and i liked a bunch of things because i was like okay they they need some more data on me because i'm not picking up what they're putting down so i go like rei and like mount kilimanjaro and other things to (laughs) hopefully give some more data points to these advertisers so they stop showing me stupid stuff and start showing me things i might be tempted to buy which is what we want in the first place is things that we could actually use or need or dream about 
And it, it still has been not very good, but I will say Instagram for some reason, weird because it's the same company, but Instagram has me almost pretty much figured out because the other day I saw one thing. I was like, got to have that order. Saw something else. I was like, got to get that as a present for the missus order. And then I saw a third thing. And I was like, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> Close the app down. Like what's going on here? <laughs> How do they know? But they, yeah. they, they, you know, maybe in this case it's ones and zeros, but the idea of knowing your customer and then offering them things that will actually help their pain. That's not a, that's just not a bother. That's, that's a help. You know, like I'm waiting yeah. for one day when I'm watching TV and an ad comes up that is like, are you having trouble getting, you know, your leads to be qualified or something like, Hey, that's a great challenge. I would love to get some information on that. Yes. TV, right. send me that information. Like, come on, like let's step up our ad game, you know? Yeah. And you know, if you, if we want to go back to, you know, sales and marketing alignment piece, you know, if, if you as a marketer can't get in front of your customer um, to know them at that level and you can do surveys, but you know, surveys, I have always felt sort of hit and miss. I don't know if you get really the honest, you know, Thing about interview your sales team, you know, mm. say, Hey, can I, can I, can I get 20 minutes? I just want to talk to you and, and, and find out, you know, what is your, the people that you talk to, what are they like? What are they looking for? What do they want? And, and, and interview them if you can't get in front of the customers. And if, if you're lucky enough, say, Hey, when you go on the next sales call with whoever, can I tag along? Just sit in on it. Yeah. You know, as a marketing representative, you know, I mean, they may say no or whatever, but you know, it's worth a shot of, of yeah. getting the further along you get and, and you'll find, you know, there's obviously common themes depending on job title and whatnot. So, you know, when it gets to developing those personas, you know, you can, you can start to understand that it's like, Oh, well, you know, I've really got maybe six different personas based on, you know, who we're talking to or what the industry is or, or what the customer segment, you know, however yeah. you, you want to break it up. Um, and depending on what that, their job title is, that, you know, if I'm talking to, you know, VP of something, I need to be super high level. If I'm talking to, you know, sort of the, the main uh, thought person on it, that's a different level. Or if I'm down at somebody, you know, just, you know, cutting checks, that's, that's sure. a totally different, you know, message. I got to, you know, speak to that personally. Yeah, that's totally true. And, and you're right. I mean, the personas, they help you reduce that, the busy work around the noise. Yeah. I and mean, you mentioned the beginning, you know, you spray and pray and you've got all these geographies and industries and all these different kinds of people you can, so you just shoot stuff everywhere. But, but your point was like, I'd have to create like hundreds of white papers for all these different products and thousands of products yeah. and, and people that might buy it. But if you got your personas figured out, it kind of helps you reduce the target. Yeah. 100%. Cool, man. Anything you see coming around the bend, anything in the future we should keep our eyes open for or just watch out for? Any freight trains coming our way? or? Yeah, I, right now it's, it's such a, yeah, a unicorn uh, in rainbow. Um, right now it's, it's, I think everything's sort of up in the air. Yeah. I think we've got to get through this whole COVID-19 thing and right. See what does what does the world look like? You know, does does it go back to normal? You know, does it go back to the way it was? You know, is there a dramatic shift to you know working from home? You know, from a you know a salesperson's perspective, especially you know, it's like well, 
what if these people aren't coming back to their office? What if they stay working from home? You know, what is what is visits like? You know, is, is it more, you know, Zoom meetings like this, or or mm-hmm. or you know, how are you interacting with your customers? Right. Um, and, and if that's the case, are we doing more webinars, less webinars? Is it, you know, I I, I think there's it's a unique time um, to sort of you know, see where, see where the source sit back and watch and see where things are sort of going and figure out, you know, where, where's the next sort of pivot yeah. going to happen? Cause I mean, and some businesses right now are, are trying to figure out how do they pivot yeah. because their business is sort of tanked because of this whole COVID-19 thing. So the, their whole normal is shot. So you've got to figure out, okay, what do I have to do different right now? And then what do I have to do different as, as I keep going just to keep my business afloat. Right. Right. Yeah. There's definitely, I mean, it's definitely hard to think, Oh, what's, what's happening in the future with cool technology. It's like, well, beyond the technology, what's happening right now with the way our buyer habits are changing. You know, we're all buying a bunch of stuff on Amazon. (laughs) We're not going to the office. Um, A lot of businesses have stopped buying things um, or paused. So there's a lot of changes and you're right. Do we, it's like, what I wrote down as you were saying that was like, what changes and what stays the same? That, that's the, the curious thought. You know, how much of us do more Zoom in the future? How much of us do right. more Zoom with webcam in the future? I think people are shy. Like at Chesh, we always do video internally all the time because it, it's like our conversation now. Like people might be listening, but we can see each other. It's a real conversation. We're not, you know, it's not a, I don't think you're a Google algorithm, (laughs) you know, doing an interview. I think you're a real person. So it's like, that's so important. And so I think we've started doing that even like client calls and sales calls. Like why not get the humanity back in the situation? Will that change? Will people go back to being shy and no longer on zoom afterward? Or does that stay the same? You know what? And in school too, a lot of virtual school happening right now. And and some teachers are great at it and some aren't. And what, what stays and what's different after that? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, my my daughter's doing that. You know, her, a lot of her. So she's taking. Uh, she's high schooler, but takes classes through the college. Um, and a lot of them have been online. Yeah, that's, and that's like impressive. next semester, she was supposed to start taking some at the college. But now we're like, well, I wonder if that's going to be the case. Or are they going to shift them all to online? Or yeah, you know. So I I think there's there's a lot of facets uh, to our. Uh, you know, overall environments, it's like, not just business, you know, education, is that going to change? You know, what, yeah. what's, what's going to change in our day-to-day lives or, or the way you go shop, you know, are, are people going to do more buy online and, or are they going to buy online and pick up at the store or are they going to have a personal shopper do this? You know, I think it's sort of all over the board. I, I do imagine that when, when every, everything is lifted, all the restrictions are lifted, that I think there will be an influx of people just getting out. Yeah, right, going out and sign me up. Yeah, it's like ah, yeah. just yeah. just run out to do anything that they used to do normal. Get um, me to a store. I, I found um, yeah. one of my my um, weekly routines now is on a Saturday, I hop in the jeep and head up to uh, we have a, like a local craft brewery called Abel Ebenezer, <laughs> which is a cool name because it was the it was like the first Revolutionary War hero for the U.S from New Hampshire and his name was Abel Ebenezer. And so they named a beer after him and a couple of veterans. <laughs> so I just bounce up there and you, and you pick up some beer to go and they got some, they got some good, 
good tasty stuff up there but it's like anything to get out of the house and they're very <laughs> up yeah. there and you know we're not hanging out and whatnot but like yeah get me out let me let me socialize i know there's some people who are like i don't mind not socializing for several months here but i'm like <laughs> i do let's go people <laughs> where can i go like what what flights can i book instantly as soon as um i know this is done to sort of just get exactly. out so i think you're right there will be this sort of this um surge of purchases and buying and and i rightly so because the restaurants have gotten tanked and and so we can try to help them out as much as possible but what happens after that after that sort of that that, that crest does it settle back in are we all a little bit more conservative about spending money um those kind of things and i know i've saved a lot yeah. of money lately that's for sure yeah yeah not spending any money in gas right now that's for sure gas or anything <laughs> yeah um yeah and so that's kind of nice seeing that bank account like huh or look, you look at the credit card statement, you're like, that would normally be twice as much or more. And you're like, well, right. that, actually, it's it's kind of nice having a, a small bill each month. And, and uh, yeah. but at the same time, it's good to get out. So I, we'll have to find that balance when we do. Yeah, I agree. So here's my next question for you, for Tiger <laughs> King of Marketing. Who are you? Where did you come from? Take us back, like little Rob days. I know it's terrible. People in Oklahoma now hate me. <laughs> But um, yeah, who are you? Like, where are you from? Yeah, I uh, grew up in uh, Northern Illinois, in Rockford, Illinois. Wow. Or as we lovingly call it, Rock Vegas. Rock Vegas, um, nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually the home of Cheap Trick, if you're a Cheap Trick fan. There you go. Um, <clears throat> grew up there. My dad uh, was a, worked in a factory, so sort of blue collar. Working life. people, and, right? Just put yeah. putting in the, the effort, working it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, just grew up. And then as I got into uh, junior high and high school, uh, really got into music. Um, nice. And, and a lot of the, uh, I, I was always a big fan. I, I think I got from my dad of learning. Um, my dad always has thing that you know there, there's a right way to do something um and and there there might be a new right way to do something right it's, it's, you know you should figure out how to do anything that there is you know that you come across figure out how to do it um and then look and see if there's a better way to do it and then see wow. if there's another better way to do it um <clears throat> which is a great marketing mantra by the way yeah right? oh i agree constantly improving. well it's, it's the whole thing that constant improvement yeah. constant evaluation it's that's like, great you know don't don't just put stuff out there just for the sake of putting it out there. It's like, look at it and say, okay, this is bad. How, yeah. how do I do this better? How does somebody else do it better? That email, um, there's a right way yeah. to figure it out and then find a better way. That's cool. Exactly. Uh, so I sort of grew up with that mentality. So, uh, you know, got, got through uh, high school and uh, I was, I was a, listen, myself, you know, into music, I was a musician. Um, what, do you, what do you play? Uh, in high school, I was a saxophone player. Okay. Um, I was an all-state all sax player. Did you do the um, band? Like marching band? Yeah, I, was, uh, I, I did marching band. We, we marched in the Peach Bowl back when Peach no Bowl existed. Kidding. That was fun. That's cool. Yeah, that was, I, that I, was interesting. I did trumpet, and I did, I did band, like marching band, too. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I did marching band, concert band, jazz band. Yeah, yeah, me too. All, That's all cool. That good stuff. Um, and then uh, I, I didn't think I was I was I was a good player, but I wasn't like professional player right. kind of kind of mentality. Um, 
but as you know, on, on the academic side, I was really good at, at math and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll be an engineer or something. Yeah, I was trying to figure out college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And uh, a buddy of mine pointed me to the school in Boston, Berkeley College of Music, and said, well, there's a music school where you can go be a recording engineer and producer. And I was like, oh, I, I, I knew that those things existed, but I didn't never cross my mind to put those two together. So uh, applied, got accepted, got some scholarships, and moved to Boston. And just, and I yeah. actually never even, never even visited the school. I just got accepted. I'm like, okay, I'm going. And then when it was time to go, I hopped on the plane with all my stuff and moved like to Boston. Berkeley is like, it's a famous music school. It is like yeah, one of, if not the famous music school. It was yeah. it easier. I won't say easier to get in, but like I, I've heard stories of like if you're going for actual music, music, you have to like audition and all that stuff. Did you have to do that, or because you're doing engineering, you're able to kind of like avoid the onslaught? Um, actually, anything that you do that you've got to, I think you have to audition to a certain degree. So okay. Like even even the engineering part. So you did your first year of stuff, and your engineering and production stuff didn't start until the second year, and you actually had to. Uh, audition, go through interview process wow. for that. Um, in fact, I remember um, my freshman, well, my freshman roommate um, uh, wanted in the same program, and he didn't get in, so he didn't come back second year. Oh, really? So you, yeah. What's the first year? Just core stuff, and and do you have to play yeah. an instrument then? Yeah. Play sax. Oh yeah, yeah. So there's still wow. there was still um, you had to do um, your full. Uh, music stuff so it, that involved harmony classes ear training classes wow. lessons you still had to do all the music stuff wow, you also had to cool. take your that's standard cool. you, you had yeah. to take your standard classes like you know western civilization and <laughs> yeah. you know, english and you know you had to take all this stuff and then once you got into whatever program you were in then it sort of determined what additional things so yeah. when i got into the engineering and production side um, I had to take, of course, audio engineering classes and physics around that. I had to take business classes because the per, being a music producer is more business oriented. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a lot of business and contract negotiation and a lot of legal stuff around that. So I mean, it was, it was and and you still had to take you know some of your core academic classes just to get a, a, a an actual bachelor's degree. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was crazy because I would I would go to school during the day, I would work in the evening, and then usually one of the best uh, times to book studio time when you had to do our studio part because we'd have to go in and record, you know whatever, um, you know it's like you have an assignment to do a redo an old Motown hit, so you'd have to get all the people together, get the band together, get the engineer get everybody together in the studio and, and record it and submit it to your, your, your assignment. And so one of the best times to book studio time was actually midnight to six in the morning. Naturally. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I would go, you know, school during the day, work at night, be in the studio all, all night and then sort of repeat. Luckily I'd have like some days where I'd have fewer classes. So I'd, I'd like crash in, the, in between yeah. those little times, but yeah, it, it was, it was a whirlwind. And were you like this like sought after commodity of like, oh, yeah, we need someone to help us in the studio, you know, when you got a bunch of people playing stuff and they're like, hey, I was, are you I, free? I, 
Yeah, I, I not I wasn't asked to play a lot. I was I was asked to come in and engineer and mix. Yeah, mix, uh, sessions a lot. Yeah, so it's like you yeah, made your own was, Def Jam records while you're at Berkeley, kind of thing. It's just, yeah, it was it was funny. Uh, and, and the cool thing is, like, just all the people that me. I mean, there's there's people that I hung out with um, that are I'll call them mildly famous now. I'm not going to drop any names, but um, yeah, you should drop it. Names. It's just no, I'm not dropping. Names. Okay. Uh, but but it's, it's just cool <laughs> to see see them out. You know. Yeah. You know, you turn on the TV. It's like oh, there's no, no really. You see some of your oh your, yeah. your friends from school. Wow. That's oh cool. yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it's just cool. Um, but you know, when all said and done, I got out of college. Uh, I had some uh, stuff lined up to sort of go and do some engineering. Um, Missy was trying to get in around New York, and that fell through. And then I had some stuff lined up in Chicago, and my student loans were about to kick in, mm, uh, so geez. I couldn't really afford to live in Boston anymore. Right. So I thought, well, I'll move back to Rockford and just work in Chicago. Uh, so I moved back to Rockford, and then the Chicago thing fell through. And I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? Yeah. So it was another, another sort of pivot point. And uh, I started doing some independent work, but it wasn't enough you know, to pay the bills right. per se. So I started doing uh, some graphic design. Yep. You know, I sort of taught, that, taught myself that stuff on the side and uh, got in with uh, this company that later turned into Stefan. Yeah. yeah, so I've been with Stefan for over 22 years. No kidding. Um, really? Yeah. That's a long time so, to be with the company. That's amazing. Yeah. So I got on, came on originally as a graphic designer. And then uh, every time they said, hey, can you do, you know, put, put whatever it is out there? Can you do photography? You know, can you do our catalog? Can you do marketing? Can you do, yeah. Any of those can you do's, I just said yes, whether I knew how to do it or not. Um, wow. And then, and then you, you know, going back to that, you know, figure out how to do it kind of mentality. Yeah. And so you just, you just, I'm going to apply myself. Like, I know I can do it. I just have to learn how to do it. Um, right. And so spending all that time, just, you know, learning different skill sets, understanding, you know, what to look for and, and, and various, various things, a lot of stuff from, <clears throat> a lot of stuff from, you know, the music and general creative background translates over not, not directly, but indirectly mm -hmm. in sort of a, a process and, and, and the things to look for and, and the eye for quality or ear for quality. Um, you know, that stuff translates. And then, you know, just like, you know, when you, when you listen to a song, you know, if, if something's not working, you hear it, you know, you know, this doesn't work, but here's how I need to change this song around to make it work. Um, same with marketing, you know, this right. doesn't seem to be working. Here's how we need to change it in order to make it work or in order to try again to see if it'll work, right. you know, and, and just not being afraid to try things you know? and having that, that sort of creative mindset of like, oh, what can we do next? Mm -hmm. you know, based on what I know, what can we do next? And not be afraid to gather collective. It's like, Hey, what have you done before? What do you know? You know, Sales team, what do you know works, or what do you, what do your what do your customers want? You know, like we talked about before. So, right. being, being able to take all that information, process it into something that, you know, is, is effective for your business. Because at the end of the day, you know, no matter what comes up, you want to be able to pivot in whatever direction that you have to pivot. 
And so for me, the best way to do that is to take the mentality of learn as much as I can and learn how to do as much as I can and learn how to problem solve quickly. Right. Find and the so, right way. Yeah. Find the right way to do it. And, and the more you build that skill, the more, you know, you, you have success. Right. And you're able to weather COVID-19 things or, right. you know, whatever it is that comes by because you're like, okay, this isn't a big deal. We'll, and I'm not downplaying COVID-19 by me, but whatever the situation is or whatever setback is, this isn't the end, right? right. Life goes on. We're going to pivot. We're going to do something a little different or a lot different, whatever it is that you need to do. Yeah. Like try to figure out what lemons you can turn into lemonade, kind of just like that positive, hopeful thinking like, okay, what can I do with this? I, I, instead Absolutely. of panicking, let's protect our families and let's, yeah. and let's innovate and pivot. And yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, hypothetical for you, if you could go back in time, and I may or may not have a time machine in Nashua, New Hampshire. Can't use it right now because the whole COVID thing, you can wear gloves or whatnot. But uh, um, let's say you get a chance to use this time machine and go back and say hi to yourself. And you just graduated from Berkeley. You're like just new into your career. You're trying to find different things. What, what would you tell yourself? What kind of things would you advise yourself knowing what you know, having been through all these different things? I don't know. That's a tough one because I like to think that a lot of the stuff I did, um, right and wrong, you know, over the years, it sort of brought me to this point, which is not necessarily a bad point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I like to think that all those things sort of shaped and made me, you know, I'm not going to say what I am. Not, yeah, not no, anything, no, it's true. Anything great, but, but it's got me to the point that it's got me. And, and I would say if there's, if there's anything probably to, to change or, or author it's probably you know just be be a better be a better person be kinder be yeah. and, and not to say that I was a jerk or mean right. but no, I just, know I know that there are times where I was right yeah of course yeah, um, where I was young and immature and stupid and um, you know and maybe some of those things could be helped maybe they couldn't maybe there's some certain certain amount of that you know and youthful indiscretion or whatever you want to call it yeah no, I, I hear day, but, you, right yeah it makes sense because it's like the career things you learn from and they shape you. Whereas where, as it affects other people, you're like, ah, oh, I didn't, did I need to be a heel at that moment in time? Yeah. I would go exactly. back and be less of a, a dork. Like, come on, dude. Like, you know, whatever, just think about the other person for a second. You know, of exactly. course we learn from those experiences too. So exactly. You know, unfortunately with other people's costs, but you know, hopefully it turn out better at the end after that. So, <laughs> Yeah, as long yeah. as we're not committing any crimes, like we're just we're we're all we're all learning here. Maybe those people learn from those experiences too. So, yeah, good, good stuff. So, um, I know I know you're big into uh, the men. Tell me about this mentoring thing. You, have you been doing that for a while? Uh, yeah. Um, not so much in the last couple of years. So, uh, like I was from Rockford, and uh, two years ago moved out to the Cleveland area. So that's where okay. I'm at now. Um, so world changed quite a bit there, but. Uh, when I was living in Rockford, um, we were involved uh, through our church with uh, the high school youth. Uh, specifically, I worked with the junior and senior high school boys. Mm -hmm. uh, really, it was just forming those relationships and, and helping them through that transition out of high school. Yeah. And, and, and the sort of anxieties that build up with there. I don't remember 
having the anxieties that I see in today's junior and senior high boys, especially. Mm, really? Um, yeah, they just seem they just seem to be really like fearful and freaked out about the future, and it's like just trying to help them understand, or even with issues that they're facing in high school. It's like, look, yeah, when when you're out of high school, you're gonna like that's all gonna be gone. Like all the people that you have problems with, problems with, they're yeah. gonna be gone. You have new people that you have problems with, right. but all all those problems are, are gonna be behind, right? Um, and just, but just helping through, like, okay, look, things aren't going to be as bad or as bleak or whatever as you think, or even necessarily as hard as you think they are. Um, but it's just trying to help them transition from that that scared unknown mm-hmm. to the here's we're going to figure things out right. mentality. You know, we're going to find that right way of doing it. Yeah, uh, trying to trying to switch that mentality around, being like, okay, you know. I know you're used to this and this is going to go away. So mm-hmm. what are you going to do next? And not, not that you have to have the, here's how my whole life's going to play out. Cause it's, it's not <laughs> right. whatever you plan is not, you know, and that, that's where I could use my example. Look, I was going to be a famous music producer. I'm not a big famous music producer, but I'm doing all right. And I'm here and I'm right. going to tell you it's going to be all right. And so, yeah. you know, just working with, with them that way. Um, and you know we worked with uh, my wife and I have done you know mentoring with marriage marriages where you know people have been instead of going to see counseling uh, you know start by doing like a marriage mentoring and sort of work with them um, through communication issues and so just some baseline things you know depending on how severe the relationship is in the marriage. Do you have and, a favorite? Because um, I, I think it's one of my favorite topics too is just the idea of communicating and relationships like that. Do you have like a favorite marriage book? that you often tell couples to go read or anything like that? Um, actually, there's one called Love and Respect. That, oh, yeah. That we, great book. We love. Totally love that book. Yeah, <clears throat> so, yeah, so that's, that's, the, that's sort of the core of what we talk about. When we, when we do our marriage mentoring, the, the funny thing is the number one issue that you deal with, uh, the number one topic is communication. Number one topic. Yep. Like that, and, and all the other issues, whether it's, it's money or... Right. Uh, kids or, or anything else all goes back to that communication and it's usually about assumptions right it's, it's about yeah, course, you know I, I, I have this assumption that, that when I say this they think they hear this right or if if they knew how I felt they wouldn't have done that well right. obviously they don't know how you feel or they might not have done that right. you know, or they might you know but sure. if you're not talking about it and you've got issues. Right. But, so, and, you know, if you want to go back to marketing, and it's, it's the same thing. You know, if you're making assumptions about your customers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then, then, or, or even if, if you're, if you let your, your bosses or executives make assumptions about what you do. Yeah. Um, that, that may be good or it may not. You know, you've got to be communicative. You've got to be communicative with your sales team in order to have a sales and marketing line. Get to communicate with your customers in in the way that they need to be communicated to, not just in the way, not in your own product speak per right. se, but in the way that that in the language that they're speaking. Right. You know, right. So, what That's terms cool. are they using? What are the issues they're facing? So. Yeah, it's like listening to a friend tell you how to deal with your significant other. <laughs> oh yeah, Bart. This is what you got to do. I you know. <laughs> like, wait a-
and the guy I'm listening to is, you know, divorced nine times. Maybe I should, <laughs> you know. Yeah, weigh that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> weigh that a little bit. Um, or, yeah, oh, she, you know, he totally likes this. Like, I don't know. Maybe just ask the person to themselves if they, if, if they like X, Y, and Z. That's so, that's so true. Um, and when I think about the, you mentioned the anxiety around school and college. It, it's so true. It's like the great unknown. There's so many unknowns. But what it ends up being, if I were to tell myself like some advice, it's like, hey, it's the exact same subject matter you learned in high school for at least like the first year and a half or two. And they're just going to give you more freedom. So it's like, can you still complete the same work you just did a year ago with, a, with complete and utter freedom of, over yourself? Yeah. That's really the challenge. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I could go to the beach all night or I could learn Spanish one all over again. Yeah. And I think, I think what some of it, one of the reoccurring themes I, I would hear is this, this feeling that if they, if they screwed it up, whether that's high school or picked the wrong major or whatever, that they would screw up their entire life. Oh yeah. I get you. Get you like this. You know, it's like this anxiety that, Oh, if I, if I, if I don't get the right grade or if I don't get the right school or if I don't pick the right major, like I'm not going to make X amount of dollars. Where does that come from? Do you think? Is that from parents? Are we? Uh, Well, I I think, yeah. Work harder. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I think, I think it's a parent thing. Uh, And it it may be, it may be directly parents or maybe indirectly parents, you know, it might be, I want the best for my kids. I'm going to do all these things, but the kid translates that as well, then I need to do all these things in order to, you know, do this right. or get this or be, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's like it matters, but not to drive yourself crazy over, you know? Right. So it's like that healthy balance. I'm like, ooh, this really matters. I should step up the plate. If I need to be nervous, I'll be nervous. But same time, have it in balance that, you know, it's you know, goofy things are going to happen. It's your response to those goofy things is really going to test you. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 tell my kids, I say, look, listen, learn as much as you can about as much as you can. Yeah. And that way, by the time you're out of school, whether that's high school, college, whatever level you go through, then you're equipped to figure it out at that point and try this. And if that works, great. And if it doesn't, then you try this. And, you know, you have to be equipped to, to try and fail and then try again. Yeah. Versus you know, if you're just equipped to do this one thing and you try it and you fail, well then, yeah, I can see why you'd be anxious. Right. Life is over. Game over. No, there's, there's, <laughs> exactly. there's many chapters in that, that path you can follow. There's so yeah. many things you can do with that. You know, one of the things I found too within, was interesting with, with college, I had done a lot in high school. Almost like, you know, master of nothing, but like, you know, really good at jack of all trades kind of thing. So it was yeah. like soccer, karate, band you know trumpet and then and i was like oh i could you know it's theater too and so like when i got to college i like auditioned for all of that and then got in all of that because they're like yeah sure come on aboard but they all wanted it your to be your like your total commitment you know yeah so like i, I remember being like yeah i'll audition for the uh, the chorus or whatnot it seems like a pretty fun group they're like yeah we're gonna go traveling in europe and singing in different abbeys uh so that doesn't work with soccer or anything else or, you know, like all the different programs were like, you can't have anything else. You must only have us. And I hit this like really tragic moment. I remember the, the day where I realized I couldn't, I was also an ROTC. So I was like, 
oh my gosh, I can't do any of these things because I'm an ROTC <laughs> and I have a scholarship for them. But like, it was yeah. so depressing because I wanted to do all these things. But each one yeah. wanted like college level commitment on each one of those things. Um, and it was like, oh, you got to pick or choose. Um, so that, yeah. that was like one of those like terrible lessons to learn. But um, well, yeah, probably but, a good lesson too. You know, What's that's that? a good lesson. It's like, it's a good lesson. It's like, you can't do everything. You can't do everything. Yeah. Like you're spray and pray. You can't spray and pray exactly. all your, your college activities. Yeah. You have to pick Even up. if all these things sound great, you yeah. know, emails and social and, yeah. and catalogs and posts, it, it all sounds great, but you, you can't, unless you have the, a massive marketing staff, which right. as far as I know, nobody has it. <laughs> right, right, right. Certainly not right now, for sure. No. This has been awesome, man. Where can people connect with you if they want to just, you know, get more information or just say hi, throw some sites yeah, at I, us and all that. Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn, of course, is a great place to, you know, connect. Um, yeah. You can reach me through there. Uh, I'm on Twitter, but I don't tweet a whole lot. Um, but otherwise, you know, uh, our company is Sifron. So you can visit us at www.sifron.com. Um, I don't really have a personal website out there. Not yet, anyway. Um, too busy marketing, living life. Um, and, and if somebody is a budding re recording artist and they're like, "I need, I need some engineering," can they can they send <laughs> you a message? And be like, "Hey, come come on, come to my flat in uh, in London or down in Miami and edit, you know, do some do some mastering for me." Yeah, I I, I can I can definitely uh, steer them in the right direction. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, no. Yeah, definitely reach out through LinkedIn. That's probably probably the, the, the best, best way to best chat. If, if you want to actually get in touch with me, so. that's perfect, man. Well, Rob, thanks again for being on here. This has been fun. No problem, man. It's a good time. You schooled me about the Tiger King, and I gotta say, those people listening, if you learned something, and I know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here, <laughs> then share this with someone else. Right? Be a thought leader to like one person to like nine people to 58 people. Just get the information out there and be that person that's kind of like, hey, I heard this. You should check this thing out. Be a Tiger King marketer. Get that information <laughs> out. Cut through the noise. Um, and again, Rob, thanks again for coming on here. All right. Thanks, Casey. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. All right. A big thank you to today's sponsors, Cheshire Impact. Helping marketers and sales win, maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce. And a big thank you to Qualified.com, the number one live chat and chat bot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway. If you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, then you go over to Qualified.com, engage in a chat, do a demo, and tell them that Casey sent you and that book will be on its way to your door. All right, we'll see you all in the next one.